Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Amen. And we're talking about applying God's medicine. And we've been looking over the last few sessions that I have taught on this concerning how the Word of God from Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verses 20 through 22, give us an instruction to attend to the Word, to attend to the Word. And it says how to attend to the Word, to incline your ear to hear it. Don't let it depart from in front of your eyes. And then it says, because the words, it says, keep it in the midst of your heart. That's the objective of the attention that we're giving. Because the word is life unto all those who find them and medicine to all of their flesh. Medicine to our ligaments and our bones and our blood. Medicine to our organs, our heart, our brain, our kidneys. Hallelujah. The Word of God provides medicine for all of our body, all of our flesh. And uh, we recognize that application because this is a spiritual medicine that there needs to be spiritual application. And so the way that we as spirit, uh, spiritually born again, spiritually alive people apply the medicine of God is by filling our heart with it and then bringing it out of our mouth and declaring and speaking that to yes, our bodies, applying it with the, uh, with the mouth, with the tongue. Amen? Yes. And so we've looked at that, and we will probably come back and look at that a little bit more. I want to give us some, uh, some foundational truths about this um, salvation that it comes because of the word. And we looked this morning at Romans chapter 10. And let's look at it just for a moment again. Because I want to look a little bit closer at this word salvation where our healing is concerned. Romans chapter 10 talking about our heart, our mouth and our heart being connected to the receiving of our salvation. And it begins by saying that, and I actually want to start in about verse 8, Romans 10, and let's look at verse 8 together. What saith it? And it being the righteousness which is of faith, it says in verse 6, the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, and it tells you not what to not say. And then it says, what does the righteousness which is of faith say? What does it tell you to say? The righteousness that faith produces in us will tell us to say the word is near us, even in our mouth and in our heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, Mm -hmm. that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Lordship of Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, those are specific things to say and believe, you shall be saved. So that word saved is here. It says 
If you confess with your mouth specifically, Jesus is Lord of my life. If you believe in your heart specifically that God has raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. It uses the word saved again in verse 10. It says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it's breaking down what's taking place spiritually to receive the salvation. It says you're believing with the heart, you're saying something with your mouth to access the salvation that's available in Christ. It uses the word salvation again in verse 13. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this word saved, if we only look at it, In one aspect, which is us receiving Jesus as Lord and being born again, we would think that this is only talking about the new birth. That I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth and I access the new birth and then I'll never do this again. But the word saved does not limit to that initial receiving Jesus as Lord and becoming born again. The word saved is the word deliverance. It is the word uh, soundness, safety, preservation, and healing. Safety, preservation, healing, soundness, deliverance. Well, we experience that when we receive Jesus as Lord. But that's not the only time we're going to need salvation. Amen? Amen. That's not the only time we're going to need to access the rescue of God, the restoration of God. And so if we need healing, the way to access it is the same way because he said if you believe with your heart, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Mm -hmm. And I just, I touched on this in one of the chapters in my book, uh, redeemed and righteous by nature. When, when it says that with the heart man believes unto right standing, mm-hmm. right standing, what does that mean? With the heart man believes. Well, when I believe, it is a faith transaction. If I go into the department store and I go into Dillard's and I want to buy a dress and I go up to pick up that dress, For me to have the right standing to walk out with that as mine, I've got to make a transaction. I've got to pay for that dress, and then I have the liberty to walk out of the store with that dress. I didn't walk into the store with that dress, but I have the liberty now because it has now, a transaction has caused it to come into my possession. And they put a... a a plastic cover over it and hand it to me and say thank you amen they 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 give it hand it over into my possession when we come to the word and we believe then a faith transaction is made that gives us legal right to bring that into our possession with the heart man believes unto righteousness with the heart man believes you know in Isaiah it says uh, who shall believe the report 
who shall believe the report of the Lord? And then it asks another question. And to whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed? Well, those are connected. The one who believes the report to that one, the arm of the Lord will be revealed. Amen. Why? Because that faith transaction makes it, uh, makes it uh, legal possession or property. It brings it in. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, he said, believe that you receive and you shall have it. Believe, Mark 11, 24, believe that you receive. When do I believe? I believe when I, whatsoever you ask, believe that you receive. So when do I receive it? When I, when I believe it. It is now a faith transaction has brought it into my possession. Now it's mine. I don't have the, no symptoms have changed. No physical evidence have changed. It doesn't look any different. It doesn't feel any different. Nothing in the natural has changed because this is a spiritual application. This spiritual application of believing unto righteousness and then what do I do? Now that it's in my heart, I believe it unto righteousness. Now I'm going to speak in line with what I believe. I'm going to speak in line with what I believe than God said. Because of what I'm believing is what God said, right? And so now I'm going to say, I have, the, I have 1 Peter 2, 24. It belongs to me. I am the healed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen? Thank you, Lord. So if I have believed that I received it, I wouldn't say I'm going to get it. You know, if I order a pizza, I don't call them back five minutes later and say, uh, I, I, I want to order a pizza. And they'll say, what's your phone number? I'll get them. They said, didn't you just call me five minutes ago? You know, because it pulls up on their computer, right? Yeah. They, didn't you just call me? We got your pizza. It's about to go in the oven right now. Well, I just wanted to make sure that I'm going to get it. <laughs> no, when I, I, I love the Papa John's app. Because it tells me when it goes in the oven. And I can say, my pizza's in the oven. That pizza's in their possession. I don't have it yet. I don't see it yet. I don't smell it yet. I don't taste it yet. But it belongs to me. That is my pizza in that oven. My veggie pizza. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then I can look at the app and they say, it is, it is on the way to your house. And I like it, the ones that, that will show the little car driving down the road to your house. <laughs> my pizza is almost here. Right? I, it's mine. It's not in my possession, but it belongs to me. I remember how excited I got the first time I could found out that I could order my shoes online. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> my shoes were in their warehouse, but they belonged to me. Do you see, they're in my possession. They're in my possession. They have been, a, a transaction has been made. Right. And they're in my possession legally, even though they're in, not in, my, in manifestation in my life yet. Yes. It still belongs to me. It's still mine while it's on the UPS truck. Yes. It's still mine while it is on their warehouse floor being boxed up and getting ready to go to the shipping department it's still mine why because a, a transaction has been made Amen. and so it says with the with the heart we believe and that transaction is made and then with the mouth the application of that transaction is activated That's 
Hallelujah. So this salvation, this salvation is a voice-activated salvation. Your voice is the address in the Spirit. And this salvation is something that is supposed to affect every area of our life, not just the, the initial experience of being born again, but the continual preservation of my life, making my life whole. The Word of God, the salvation of God will continue working in our life until our marriage is whole, until our finances are whole, until every area of our life has a soundness to it so that there's nothing broken or nothing missing or nothing empty in our lives. Praise God. So in looking at this salvation from an aspect of our physical health, let's look at Malachi chapter 4. Malachi 4. And verse 2, and I have a, a couple of different translations here. I'll read to you from the King James first. It says, Malachi 4, 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness, the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings. Healing in His wings. So, the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings, the result is you will go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Hallelujah. The Berkeley translation indicates this. It says, For you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will arise with healing in its beams. Healing in the sunbeams. And then it says this, and you will go forth and leap like calves from the stall. Now, if you've ever seen a calf that's been kept in the stall all night and then you go out and you let it out, they like to jump and they like to run and they like to kick up their heels and they like to experience that freedom because they have been set free. They have been loosed. They have been taken out of that place of confinement, that place of, of restriction, and now they have the ability and the liberty and the activity. Amen? The Septuagint, the Septuagint says it this way, you will go forth and leap for joy like young bullocks loosed from yokes. Like young bullocks loosed from yokes. So it's referring to someone who has been in a restriction, a bondage, and has now been freed from that bondage. So I want to just point out two things from these different aspects that we've looked at. Number one, healing is freedom. Healing is freedom. Number two, sickness is the yoke. A, a restriction, a confinement. Hallelujah. And Jesus is the son of righteousness who is arising with healing in his wings. Amen? Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still desires to do good and heal all who are oppressed of the devil. Amen? Let's look at Acts chapter 10 where the, I'm, I'm quoting it, but I want you to put your eyes on it. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
This is actually part of a sermon that was being preached there at Cornelius' house. Peter had been uh, instructed by the Lord to go to Cornelius' house. The angel had come to Cornelius with a message from God and told him uh, uh, to call for Peter, go to the house in Joppa and call for Peter. And so while Peter was up on the roof of that house, he had a vision. And when he came out of that vision, God told him there are three men who are coming and I want you to go with them. So this is a supernatural encounter. And so now Peter is there at the house preaching to people who were not Jewish. (laughs) Cornelius and his house, they were not Jewish. And so up until that moment, they didn't know, they didn't think that un-Jewish people, (laughs) that people who were not of Jewish descent could receive Jesus. They thought salvation was just for the Jews. And so as they are, as Peter is preaching, they, they not only get saved, but they receive the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. And the Jews who were standing there, they were shocked. They were convinced because of how God ministered to these people of the Holy Spirit. And they said, we know they're saved. We didn't think they could be saved, but we can tell they're saved because they're speaking in tongues. They've, they've received the Holy Spirit of God. But this is what Peter was preaching that brought them to salvation. He said in verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Now, do you notice it says Jesus of Nazareth? Pointing out his, 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 the location, that would be like we say Paul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus, we, we call him, and, and that's identifying his, his uh, lineage, it's identifying, it, it's like a, a marker of, of where he was from, and J- he was preaching about Jesus, he didn't say uh, Jesus the Son of God, he said how God anointed Jesus, of, yeah. now he was 100% the Son of God, mm-hmm. but He laid down all of his divinity. It says he stripped himself in Philippians and he came in the form as a man. He came as a man. And so Jesus of Nazareth, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God anointed Jesus and he went about with the Holy Ghost and with power. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all. The son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So we saw from the last verse that sickness is a restriction. Sickness is a yoke. Well, according to this verse, it's an oppression of the devil. Well, God surely isn't using sickness. God isn't the author of sickness. God hasn't designed sickness for anybody. God hasn't chosen one sick day for you. He hasn't looked at your calendar on his plan and and marked any sick days. (laughs) Hallelujah. His choice for you is healing. Do you remember what it says in 3 John and verse 2? It says in 3 John, beloved, I, I wish, I desire, I pray above all things now this is the whole, is every scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit? Yes, it is. And so he says, the desire is that you would prosper and be in health. 
That's the desire of God for us, that we prosper and be in health. So Jesus, did you, do you think he did the will of God? Did Jesus do anything that was not God's will? So when it says that he went about doing good and healing all, we know this is the will of God. And it says that he was healing them or liberating them. Because remember, salvation is also defined as healing. Healing is a mercy of God. Healing is a salvation of God, right? So he went about healing all who were oppressed by who? Who was behind the sickness that Jesus healed them from? Now that doesn't mean sick people are demon possessed. But it means that the enemy is using that sickness and energizing that sickness against their body to restrict them, to limit them, to steal from them. What does he come to do? Steal, to kill, and to destroy. And sickness is a tool of the enemy to do so. Was sickness... Now, if you want to find the will of God, I will show you three places you can identify the perfect will of God. You can identify the perfect will of God in the garden before the fall, in the life of Jesus Christ, and in heaven. What the scriptures tell us about heaven. Was there or is there sickness in any of those three places? Was there sickness in the garden before the fall? Before the fall, no. No, why? Because it was set up according to the perfect will of God. In Jesus' life, in his life, what he modeled and what he lived out for us as an example. Was he sick? Or did he give anybody sickness? No, No, we don't see him putting sickness on anybody. We don't see him cursing anybody with sickness, with a disease. Instead, what do we see Jesus doing? He was healing at every opportunity. He was healing even in places when he went into his own hometown. You know, he wanted to, you know, when he went into his hometown, he had just come out of a supernatural encounter he had just seen that he had been walking through the crowd and the woman in mark chapter 5 had touched him and she had he didn't even initiate that healing but she got healed right he didn't even he didn't even start it it wasn't even his idea he was just walking through the crowd and she reached out and touched him with faith And because she did, he recognized power has gone out of me. Virtue has gone out of me. Who touched me? Somebody touched me with faith. And when when they found her, when she finally came forward, she came forward and she told all that he had done and all that had happened and all that she had got healed from. And then they came and said to, he was on his way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. And he gets stopped by this woman who received her healing. He said, your faith has made you whole. And then they came and they said, don't bother the master anymore, Jairus. Your daughter is dead. Just leave it alone. Leave him alone. Let him go on his way. And Jesus overheard that. But he decided that is not important to the miracle at hand. And he said... Do not fear, only believe. Only believe. believe. And he walked in to the house and he put out the mourners and he raised up Jairus' daughter from the dead 
And then he comes to his own hometown after just experiencing the flow and people receiving of the flow, people receiving from faith and people, people just, you know, putting their, their words in line with his words. And he walks into his own hometown and could do no mighty work there. Could do, and so it said he did lay hands. Notice that. He did lay hands on a few sick folk. So when Jesus, now he, he was doing mighty works in the previous town without having to, to, to it wasn't an effort, it wasn't difficult. Why? Because they were coming with faith. They were coming ready to receive. Jairus said, if you'll just lay hands on her, he established it. He set the course. If you'll lay hands on her, my daughter will, will be healed and she will not die. She will live. Right? And so he's got people cooperating with their faith and he walks into his own hometown and, and they, they, look at his, they, they, they look at his family and they say, we know your brothers and sisters, aren't you? Who, who are you to say you can do all these mighty works? And he could there do no mighty work, but he tried, yeah. right? And so even in that situation, he laid hands on people because he was trying to get them healed, right? Why? Because that was the will of God. That's the will of God. I said, that's the will of God. That's the will of God. Always, always. You never have to question, God, do you want to heal me? Let, me? let me tell you, from the Lord, yes, yes. Do you remember there was a leper who came to Jesus and he said, I know you can if you want to. I know you can heal me if you really wanted to heal me. You can do it. I have no question about your ability. You can do it. But I question whether you want to or not. And that's where a lot of people have their obstacle. God, if you want to heal me. God, if you want to heal me. You know, Jesus answered right away. And he said, I, I desire it with all my heart. Hallelujah. The Moffat translation here of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, He healed all, were, all who were harassed by the devil. Harassed. Sickness is a harassment. It's a harassment of the devil. The Ryu translation says, Healing everyone in the devil's clutches. The New Berkeley says, Healing all that were overpowered by the devil. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, not meaning that the, these people were demon-possessed, but their bodies had been attacked by the sickness and that sickness energized by the enemy. That enemy using that sickness to restrict that person's ability of life. Luke chapter 13 Jesus uh, encountered a woman in the temple as in verse 16 of Luke 13. And he asked this question when, they, when he was being criticized for healing her. He said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. Lo, these 18 years, ought she not to be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Notice 
Who was behind her yoke, her restriction, her bondage? It says, it says it was bondage. He's bound her. Well, what was this binding? She was bent over with something that sounds like a crippling arthritis. And he said, Satan has bound her. Is that in red? Does your Bible have red words where Jesus speaks? You know, red words win. Why? Because Jesus said Satan was behind that sickness attacking her body. God wasn't behind it. Even if, if you want to back up and even to recognize sickness entered when the curse entered. When Adam sinned and the curse entered, sickness came at that time. Death entered when sin entered. And that sickness was a part of that. And the enemy was the one responsible for bringing in the death and the sin and the sickness. Hallelujah. So it's not God's will, God's will. And through Jesus, he's made a way for us to be set free from the harassment the oppression or the attack of the enemy, right? So let's talk about some things that we need to establish. First of all, we need to establish that it is the will of God to heal us. It is the will of God to heal us because we can see in those places, in the garden before the fall, in the life of Jesus, in the descriptions of heaven that we have, that sickness is not included in any of those. Those give us examples of the perfect will of God and those sickness is not in any of those places. We see that Jesus did the will of the Father and he went about doing good and healing all. He said, I only do what my Father tells me to do. I only do what he sent me to do. And he went about healing. So it was God's will to heal then and God hasn't changed. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. Hallelujah. So it is the will of God to heal us. Let's go ahead and look at that uh, leper in Matthew 8, 2 and 3. Matthew 8, verse 2 and 3. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, or you could say if you want to, if it is your will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. I will. The Bible in basic English says, Lord, if it is your pleasure, you have power to make me clean. And he put his hand on him, saying, it is my pleasure. It is my pleasure. Right. It pleases me to heal you. It pleases me to make your bones strong. It pleases me to heal your blood. It pleases me to heal that damage that was done to your heart. It pleases me to restore your knees and your ankles and your, your, your hips. It pleases me. Hallelujah. It pleases me. It is my pleasure. Be clean. The Weist, the Kenneth Weist translation says, I am desiring it from all my heart. Be cleansed at once. Yes, sir. At once, right away. I'm desiring it with all my heart so much I don't want you to go one more moment sick in your body. Glory. 
be cleansed at once. I desire it. I desire it. Can you hear the Father shouting from his throne tonight? I desire that you be healed at once. Receive it. Receive it. Be healed. Hallelujah. Second thing we need to establish. We need to establish that healing is already available. Already available. Let's look at Matthew 8. We're not far from it here. Verses 16 and 17. We're in the chapter. Just follow it on down to verse 16. And healing is already available. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. All. Does, does your Bible say all? Mary, does, does my Bible say the same thing that your Bible says? Does it say all? Oh, my goodness, all. Forgive me to the camera people who were scrambling to catch me. All. He healed all. All. Glory to God. He healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Oh, hallelujah. Himself took our infirmity. Took. 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 Follow me again. If I take this from Mary, she no longer has it. I have it. It is no longer in her possession. It's in mine. I took it from her. I took it. Himself took. The word bore is also a word that means to carry away completely, to completely remove away. He bore, he removed to another place our sicknesses. He not only took them upon himself, but he took them away from us so they are no longer in our vicinity. There, if it's not in your vicinity, how can it cling to you? Himself took, took our infirmities, bore, completely removed away, carried off. Hallelujah. Let's read some other translations of this verse. Hallelujah. The Amplified says, and this may be the, uh, the original Amplified or the newer one. I'm not sure if it's the exact version we have, but we'll look at, compare them. He, he himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities and bore away our diseases. So the word away is included in both of those. Took away, bore away. Took away, bore away. The NEB, the New English, says he took away our illnesses and lifted our diseases from us. <laughs> lifted, lifted our diseases. That'll make you see an image of something being set free. That's why we would jump like calves who've been set free from the stall. Hallelujah. Why? Because he took, he lifted. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
The Moffat translation, he took away our sicknesses and our diseases he removed. He removed. Took away and removed. Took away and removed. Do you notice in each one of these, it's past tense? It's done. It's already done. So here's what faith says. Faith says it's already done. So, so when I'm receiving it, if I believe I have received, I'm not saying God's going to do it. I get in line with the tense that God has set it in. God said he already did it. Does Jesus need to go to the cross for me or did he already go to the cross for me? Do I have to wait for him to save me? And, and, am I, I'm waiting on him to save me. He's going to save me. He's going to set me free from my... No, we wouldn't say that. We would, we would look back at the cross and we would say, He's already shed His blood and paid the price to free me from sin and to make me a new creature. And so I believe it. And I, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and I receive it. Hallelujah. Well, the same is true. Did He already take the stripes? Did those stripes, is that what was necessary to, take our, uh, to lift our sicknesses and diseases, to remove them from us? Are we waiting for him to take more stripes for us? Are we saying, well, I know he took stripes for Mary, and I know he took stripes for James, but I, he needs to take some more for me because I need... No, no. The stripes, the punishment that was laid upon him, the chastisement necessary to obtain our nothing missing, nothing broken was laid on him. Already. already I'm already healed. Already. Do you remember uh, Brother Copeland talking about the, the night? He said, we were trying to get to Kenneth Hagin's meeting, and it had snowed, and I think they were in Tulsa, and he said, we were driving through the snow trying to get there, so we got there a little bit late, and uh, uh, we went on in anyway, even though we were late, and he said, as we were walking in the door, there was a woman coming out of the, con the meeting center, the convention center, and she was fuming mad. She was fuming mad. She said, you mean to tell me I've been healed for 2,000 years and nobody told me till now? You mean to tell me I've been healed all this time and nobody told me till now? And Brother Copeland said, I knew who was on the other end of that anger. She's thinking of all the Sunday school teachers and the pastors that she sat under who never told her that she was healed when Jesus took the stripes. My God, my and that, uh, that all she needs to do is get in line with her faith to say, I am the healed of the Lord. I'm not the sick trying to get healed because by his stripes I'm already healed. And so I agree with that. And I'm, I'm going to build my faith in that direction and I lay hold of it in Jesus' name. It's already done. It's already available. We are never, never, never trying to talk God into healing us. That's right. What would you think if you walked in here one day and you saw me down on my knees holding my husband's hand and, and crying and saying, please marry me. Please make me your wife. Please marry me. Please, please marry me. <laughs> would you think she missed something along the way right like wait a minute doesn't she have a ring on her finger doesn't she have the the marriage certificate where has she been 
Where has she been? What is, why is she saying, please, please marry me? He already did. Hallelujah. And ever since that day, I have signed my name differently. I no longer sign my name the way I signed it before that day. Since that day, my name changed, so I signed my name. I, I got in line with that agreement. I got in line with that legal contract. Salvation is our legal contract. Jesus' blood is the blood of the new contract. Hallelujah. It's already sealed. It's already ours. Healing is part of that contract. It's already established. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The next thing we need to establish is that Jesus is and always will be the healer of every kind of sickness and disease. He, all, he is and always will be the healer. Hallelujah. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13. Oh, wait, I missed one. Matthew 9, 34. Let's go there first. Matthew 9, 34 and verse 35. 34, 35 of chapter 9. But the Pharisees said, He casts out devils through the prince of the devils. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. The Living Bible says wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of illness. The, new, uh, the NIV says preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. Every disease and illness. The ASV says, healing all manner of disease and all manner of sicknesses. All manner of disease and all manner of sickness. Has he changed? We know that Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So today he is still Jesus who heals all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Praise God. Praise God. We have to establish that. We have to establish that. He hasn't changed. He is still capable of healing every known disease and unknown disease. There's not a disease you can bring to him that he says, that one's outside of my range. He will heal every manner. Every manner. Every manner, every manner of sickness, every because he hasn't changed. He is the same. What Jesus was yesterday, he is today. And he remains forever. Amen. The healer of every manner of sickness and disease. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 9, verse 32.
and we will read down through verse 35. 932. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ, make thee whole, arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydia and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Hallelujah. In the Amplified it says, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, now makes you whole. Now makes you whole. Hallelujah. Healing is now. He said, Jesus Christ makes you whole, so arise. So arise. Jesus Christ now makes you whole, so arise. Hallelujah. So healing is not something we have to put off. It's not something that we have to wait to receive. Now, there are instances that the healing begins and it makes a process of recovery. Let's look at Mark 16 and let's find out our part of carrying on the healing ministry of Jesus and even uh, access to receiving of that healing ministry in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. He says in Mark chapter 16 in the Great Commission to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 15. Verse 16, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Recover is a process. There are some, not every healing is a miracle healing. Not every healing is an instantaneous healing even when you hear, for instance, I gave the testimony of Brother Hagen this morning and how that he had been meditating on that scripture for months and months. And then the Holy Spirit identified specifically something he needed to change and adjust in the way he was looking at it. He said, oh, you mean to tell me I've got to believe that I have received even while my heart keeps skipping a beat. I've got to believe that my heart is healed even when I can feel it stop beating. I've got to believe that my blood is healed even when it's still causing me to black out. I've, I've got to believe that I am healed and whole even when I'm paralyzed from the waist down. And, and that's what he began to do. And he said the only thing he could do at that time was to say, thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. And thanksgiving was his method to act on that. Right? And then one day the Lord said to him a few days later after he had been spending day, just those days, those few days, thank you, Lord, that, by your, that I am healed. I receive it. I'm healed uh, of this blood disease. I'm healed of this paralyzation. I am healed of this uh, heart condition. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. And the Lord then prompted him to get up. 
and he grabbed a hold of the bedpost and he threw his body over the side. He threw because he was paralyzed from the, the from the waist down. He threw his body over and he held on and with with his arms to the bedpost. And when he did that, when he acted on that, on. the pins and needles. He said it felt it hurt so bad and felt so good because that was the first time he had been able to feel his his uh, extremities since he had become bedfast. And so he, he felt it, but with, when you hear him tell his testimony, if you just think he jumped up with all of his muscles and all of his, his strength returned, you know, he said uh, that, that that first day he got up and he walked around and didn't even tell his mom he was out of bed yet. He waited till the next day before he asked mom to get his clothes. Because he's, you know, a, a young man, teenage man. And so, and then it was the depression. After he got up, he was so thin. He said he was like 86 pounds because he had been bed fast for two and a half years. And he was so thin that when he went back to school, the teachers were afraid that he was going to die in their classroom and tried to get him to go back home. And they called him into the principal's office. They had to call and the doctor said, one doctor said, he's just in denial. And, and the other doctor said, I don't know how he's doing it because they couldn't explain what had happened to him. And so they, when they called his mom, they, she said, I'm not going to hurt his faith. He is up out of bed and I'm not going to hurt his faith. And so the... the, the principal of the school said okay this is what we're going to do you know if you get tired because he had to walk to school and to go up to school there were like 16 steep stairs up this up the staircase if you get tired you can you can be late and we won't we won't count you tardy if you need to miss a day we won't we won't hold that against your ability to graduate if you ever get faint and you need to come out of the class and, and, and come down to the nurse's office and lay down in the nurse's office, we'll accommodate whatever you want. And he said, they made it. He said, I, I would never be late. I would not miss any. He said, because I am not going to get in line with that. Right. God healed me. And so it's That's the depression. Right. It's the depression. And he got a job pulling peach trees. He said, that was hard labor, pulling peach trees. You know, that were, had grown, they, they, were, they were a certain, uh, like a year or so old, and they would, you know, at a nursery, and then they would buy them. And so he had to go help pull them up out of the ground. And he said, most of the other people were quitting after a couple of days because it was such hard labor. And they all told him every morning, You're gonna, this is going to be your day. You're going to quit today. You can't make it because they kept looking at him. You know, they called him string me. And, and he was so thin. He was so, you know, because why? He was recovering. He was healed of that. But there was still that process of restoration going on in his body. Every day, he said, I didn't feel it. But I would say to them, the Lord is my strength. I felt as tired as they did. I felt the physical effect, but he said, the Lord is my strength. And he said, when I acted on that, God strengthened me. Amen. And he said, I outlasted all those young boys. 
I outlasted all those other young boys because it wasn't my natural strength keeping me there. I kept telling them, the Lord is my strength. And, and that recovery process took a while. You know, I've told you um, uh, the testimony of Dodie Osteen, how that God healed her of cancer, how that they sent her home and said, you've got three weeks and there's nothing we can do to treat you. Go home and enjoy your three weeks with your family because it is so far there's not a thing that we can do. And, and so she went home and told her husband, you're the head of this house. The high priest of this house is what she called him, John Osteen, and said, would you lay your hands on me and I believe I'll receive my healing. He laid hands on her. She didn't feel any different. She didn't have any, any physical evidence of difference. She said that, that she would crawl through the house to get the furniture polish out of the closet because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dust my furniture. Yeah. She had said they would be so physically exhausted that there were times that she was crawling around to get to the different pieces of furniture. But she was determined, I'm going to dust my furniture because I'm healed. She would go to the cancer ward at the hospital and pray for other cancer patients to sow that, that healing. Amen? Amen. And I had heard her tell... Uh, of, of that and she said it was about three years before the complete recovery the complete process of recovery it started the day she believed but that the symptoms didn't necessarily leave overnight Amen. I think that's important and you know that's been many many years ago I'm sure in comparison for where she is today that she wouldn't complain about the three years. All of the years of health and still whole and healed and strong today. Just wrote a book, I think a year and a half ago, uh, uh, talking about her life, on, going on book tours. Glory to God. Giving glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. So that recovery is... Is, is, and she was another one who was applying the word. She had a, a list of verses that she, according to her testimony, still reads to herself every day out loud. She still gets those out and, and fellowships with those verses, speaking them into her heart, depositing them into her heart. And she said, somebody said, well, are you doing that out of bondage for fear that that cancer would come back? And she said, no. I'm not in fear and I don't do it out of bondage. She said, I do it because it's life to me. It's life to me. This word is life to me. And I love these verses and they're companions to me. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So this recovering is, is, a, is sometimes a process. Hallelujah. And that's why we've got to develop that, those things that we establish. We've got to establish those things. God doesn't change. Jesus is doing the will of the Father, and it's the will of the Father that I am healed. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When... This verse says they will lay hands on the sick. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about some basic fundamental doctrines. It says 
that the laying on of hands is one of the doctrines. Hallelujah. The, the laying on of hands is a point of contact in some cases and a transmission of the anointing in others. The point of contact when the woman who uh, pressed her way through the crowd in Mark chapter 5, she said, if I can just touch, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. It wasn't as much the hem of his garment as it was her point of contact that when I touch the hem of his garment, when I, because in one other place it says, if I can just touch his clothes. Yeah. Yeah. That touch was what was a point of contact for her. And you know, Oral Roberts, he, he had a um, radio program for many years. He was healing evangelist, had tent meetings. Uh, the power of God manifested uh, supernaturally through his ministry. Brother Copeland said that when he worked under him in the healing tents, he said, the first time I went and saw how he ministered to people, with his faith and with the laying on of hands, he said, I thought to myself, this is like a surgeon uses a scalpel. The, the way a surgeon uses his instruments in the operating room, Oral Roberts is using his faith in, in this prayer tent. And Brother Roberts said to him, this is one thing that he taught him in the very beginning. He said, when you're about to pray for somebody, don't put your hands on them until you're ready to release your faith. Amen. Don't, don't just go run and put your hands on them and start praying. Think about how Jesus prayed for people. It, we don't see Jesus praying to God for people's healing. Now that is accurate because James chapter 5 says that we can call for the elders of the church. God has so many ways for us to get healed. He has put so many different applications for us it's oh it's it's appropriate to call for the elders of the church and they will they will anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick does it say that the prayer of faith will save the sick save heal the sick right so it's not wrong to pray for somebody but when jesus was was healing we have record of what he said. He said, be healed, be made whole, arise, take up your bed, walk. He, he gave commands just like God said, let there be light. Amen. Be healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you, that laying on of hands, it says Jesus laid hands. Did we read that? Or did we talk about that? When he could do no mighty work there, he did lay hands on some... So Jesus was laying hands. It became so known that they brought people to Jesus to have hands laid on them. If they, they besought him, one verse says, they besought him to lay hands on, him, on them. They would bring the sick and beg him just to touch them. Why? Because that touch was that point of contact. And so... Oral Roberts, he had a, that radio ministry and he was ministering to people on the radio and, and praying to release healing power to them. And the woman, he, now he would say this, he would say, put your hand on the radio as a point of contact. Put your hand on the radio while I pray as that point of contact. 
and, and you, you touch the radio. Amen. Amen. Well, there was one woman and she tried to get up from the kitchen table and she was too weak to make it to the radio. And so she fell across the refrigerator and she said, Lord, I can't make it to the radio. I'm going to have to use the refrigerator as my point of contact. But God honored her point of contact and she received her healing <laughs> from, the, from laying hands on the refrigerator. <laughs> That's as far as she could get. So do you see that point of contact was the place that when this when I, when, I, when I receive this, when I lay hands on this, when I, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. I'll be healed. I'll be healed. I'll be whole. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's why we have to, if we come for prayer to have hands laid on us, we need to come with that same point of contact, with that same concept that when hands are laid on me, there was a man who was attending a uh, convention. Brother uh, Hagen was having an all-face aid in Birmingham, Alabama. And it was, I think, a three- or four-week crusade. It, went, it was a, one that was ongoing for a, a little while. And um, he, would not, he did not lay hands on people every night. He would say, uh, we will lay hands on this certain night on anybody who's sick. And he would want people to come and hear the word and hear the word and build their faith and strengthen their faith. And then he said, I'm going to lay hands on people on Friday night. Well, there was a pastor there, Pastor Scott Webb. And he and his church were helping with like ushering and, and helping Brother Hagen's meeting. When Brother Hagen would have these meetings, different churches would come and the people from those churches would help serve in the convention. And so uh, Brother Webb, was, Pastor Webb was there and he said, I, I noticed there was a man and this man was in a wheelchair and I, I stopped and I talked to him and I found out that first night that he had been... Uh, involved in a crime and in the process of being arrested he was shot by the police and the bullet had severed his spinal cord and so that's why he was in the wheelchair and he said but that man looked at me and he said Friday night I'm getting out Friday night I'm coming up out of this wheelchair and so Pastor Webb said praise the Lord brother I'll agree with you and so uh, every night he would stop and, you know, he, would, he was over in that section and he would talk to the people over there and, and minister to them and, and, and encourage them. And he would see that brother and that brother would look at him. He, he wasn't asking, Pastor Webb wasn't asking this man. This man was saying, hey, 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 Friday night I'm coming up out of this chair. Hey, hey, Friday night I'm coming up out of this chair. He would catch his attention to tell him, Friday night's my night. Friday night's my night. Friday night I'm coming out. Friday night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When hands were laid on him Friday night, he was one who pushed his chair off the stage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Pastor Webb said he, he, was, he was running and jumping and shouting and rejoicing with the man because he knew this was a creative miracle. This man didn't just have something that, got, that he got healed of. This man had a severed spinal cord that God 
put back together. God reconnected. Does it heal every manner of sickness and disease? But what was his point of contact? Friday night. Friday night when hands are laid on me. Do you see? He was ready for it. When you begin to look at all the different healings in Jesus' ministry, every one that was brought to him received. Why? Because the, the bringing was their faith. The, that, that faith, they, they came seeking it. They came desiring it. They came, they, they were brought. They came with that anticipation, I'm coming to receive. Do you remember the lame man at the beautiful gate? When Peter and John came upon him, what did he do? He looked to them expecting to receive. He got more than what he expected to receive, but he was still in a condition of expectation. I'm expecting to receive. So if we have hands laid on us, we need to have that expectation in place. We need to, to condition ourselves to say, when hands are laid on me, healing begins. I don't check my body to see if I got it and walk back sad because my body still feels the same way. Who told you that your, the feelings had anything to do with it? Nothing. They are not indicators of truth. Feelings don't convey truth indications. Truth himself took our infirmities. Bore our sicknesses. Whether my feelings indicate that or not is not an accurate reading for me. Not an accurate display of whether I got it. I got it because by His stripes I am healed. I got it because I receive it. I got it because, you could say, I got it because hands were laid on me. And, and there are times that hands are laid on you and you don't feel anything. And, and, and if you walk away saying, I didn't get it because I didn't feel it, what are you supposed to feel? That's like somebody saying, well, I'm not married because I don't feel married. What does married feel like? I mean, if you get up in the morning and say, I must not be married, I don't feel married today, we might be in trouble. Because it, it doesn't, there's not a feeling that goes with it. You, there may be some emotional things you experience, great, uh, uh, the, the love, the joy, all those things, but, but those aren't indicators that I'm married. The lack of them is not an indicator that I'm not married. Hallelujah. Those established truths will provide a reception, a, re a receptive heart, a heart that comes saying, I know when hands are laid on me. I know when uh, it, it can be whatever you're putting your faith, wherever your faith is, whether it be, I believe I receive it now. There was a man who came to Jesus and said, if you'll just speak the word. What was his point of contact? Hearing Jesus speak that word. Your word is enough. If I just hear you speak the word, if you'll just give the command, my servant shall be healed. That's where his faith was, and Jesus marveled at it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you have made healing so available. 
that you have placed within our covenant, healing provisions. And Father, we determine to give attention to those provisions now and condition our lives with your health and soak in your promises so that there is a conviction of them as being true for us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.